Welcome to the Let's Get Sensory podcast. My name is Kelsey and I'm an occupational therapist, sensory specialist, and ADHD. -er. If you're looking to up-level you and your kids' lives by learning how to live a sensory lifestyle to help with attention, anxiety, hyperactivity, and impulsivity, then you've come to the right place. So here we go. Let's get sensory. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Sensory Sensitivities Trauma and ADHD Masterclass. I am so, so excited. We are going to see if I will be able to sit still for an hour straight just with the excitement last night. I was so excited. Didn't get a lot of sleep and then was also working late last night. I don't normally drink coffee, but I drank coffee this morning. So definitely lots of excitement going on here. I might have to do it sensory seeker style and move around a little bit. I'm an occupational therapist, sensory certified, sensory obsessed, big part of my personal sensory therapy approach. I know if I have any occupational therapists that are here, you'll see, and especially if you've taken my programs, my approach is very different. It's very, very much the same foundations of sensory integration, has a huge emphasis of somatic therapy, specifically somatic psychology. So maybe you've heard of like somatic experiencing, somatic therapy, somatic psychology. Have it to sum it up what it is. Think about how a lot of us will go to different therapies, like different talk therapies. What differentiates somatic therapy from different talk therapies is it really focuses on the body and the nervous system. So our somatic sense has everything to do with our inner sense. So of course, being a sensory therapist, I was like, oh, this is all about strengthening the interoception sense, including that talk therapy with also looking at how that is impacting how, how everybody's experiences, how everybody's trauma, how that experiences our body and our nervous system. So we tie that together. We're going to be learning about that, touching on that as well these two days. Also train in integrating listening programs. So that is essentially more of just like an auditory therapy, a listening therapy, breath work. I'm trained in breath work. One of my favorite nervous system tools, kind of like healing modalities, something that I love. EMDR is another thing that I'm trained in. I love to bring some also some of that foundation and include that kind of in my sensory therapy approach. If you're not familiar with EMDR, that is eye movement desensitization reprocessing, which I love the word reprocessing because that is a big part of like what sensory therapy is, is just taking all of these experiences, whether they're sensory experiences, whether they're trauma and really reprocessing for a more positive nervous system outcome. And then also just trauma-informed, lots of different trauma trainings. And also another one of my personal favorites is reflex integration. So that is just a little bit, yes, EMDR. And that is just a little bit of my background. My intentions for you is to really just feel at peace now having like a much just greater understanding of our nervous system. Because I know before I knew about our nervous system, I knew about how it worked, just all of that, that like having that confusion just led to more of that fight or flight, just not knowing, not understanding what's going on inside of me. So just feeling more at peace, having a greater understanding now. Also just feeling more hopeful and optimistic because I know being an ADHD, being a deep feeler, being like a very emotionally sensitive person, I was in the mindset for a long time like, okay, this is just how I am. Like, I just have to kind of suck it up. And this is just 
how I'll always have to be. Like, there's nothing I can do. It's like, I tried all of these different modalities. I am really a human guinea pig when it comes to just trying all the different things to try to see what works, what doesn't. But it really wasn't until I learned about sensory therapy, learned about our nervous system and really had that understanding. And then also when I just really started digging deep, I was seeing, you know, how hugely impactful it was for all of these kids going through sensory therapy and was like okay if it's so life-changing for them like let's try some of these things for my for ourselves and also seeing how other therapies kind of have different pieces of sensory components inside and so experiencing that life-changing impact when we learn how to nourish our nervous system seeing so hope that you will feel more hopeful and optimistic at the end of these two days at the end of this master class I know something I mentioned a lot just being like it's so life-changing it saved my life um but I know I'm going to be sharing my personal story like in more detail than I ever have before I think you'll just walk away with an even greater understanding of what that means and just feeling more hope and optimism for yourself for your family for your clients for your kids and then lastly just to feel more motivated and empowered so these are some of the questions that we are going to be answering in this master class so especially to tomorrow, we're going to be really answering all of these questions. Sarah, we're going to be really laying the foundation, but talking about, okay, how are these three things connected? Sensory sensitivities, trauma, ADHD. There's a huge connection between them. So we're going to be talking about how those three are connected. Is it sensory? Is it trauma? Or is it ADHD? How to tell the difference? Can trauma cause ADHD? And then lastly, but definitely uh, most important, what to do about that. First question, this is the only question we're going to be focusing on today, is what is the connection between sensory sensitivities, trauma, and ADHD. So put a finger down if you have ever felt like an outcast starting at, I know for me was really as since as early as I can remember, always had that inner feeling, just feeling different from everyone else. Just like having friends, but still just feeling separate, just like not feeling like I worked in that, in that way, just feeling different from everybody else around. Um, and actually, so I saw someone rose their hand and I would absolutely love to hear from you all at the end I'll allow a chance for just us to talk with each other um so please write down your question and don't forget Amanda I'm sorry so the first one put a finger down if you just ever felt like an outcast so yes lots of yeses the second one put a finger down if you experience intense emotions so high highs low lows or if your kids if you're a parent and you're here for your kids if your kids feel intense emotions those high highs those low lows everywhere in between and maybe for you those externalized emotions maybe I know for me it was both I started out I mean just as kids we naturally externalize our emotions um because that's something we'll talk about it's the most natural thing um internalizing our emotions is actually less natural but whether I know for me I had a lot more outbursts I was a lot more externalized until especially me having Jamaican parents immigrant parents I learned very very, very quickly that that did not um, keep me safe, externalizing those emotions, having those outbursts, releasing emotionally, having those outwardly responses. And so for me at a very young age, that turned into um, intense internalized emotions, but those big feelings were always there inside of me. And just that lack of understanding of the emotions and what was happening 
inside of me. And third one, put a finger down. If you felt things so similar to this one, we're digging deeper kind of, if you felt things more intensely than those around you, or maybe as a parent, you can see your child, you can just see it in their eyes than when they're feeling certain situations more intensely than others. And I know for me, as once again, as early as I can remember, I just had this kind of where my baseline was just a more depressed baseline, a more sad baseline where I just like, I didn't feel, especially as I got older and I was more aware, but especially like middle school or like late elementary school where I just, I felt sad and I didn't feel as happy as those around me. Um, And even just like experiences, just like our daily experiences, whether it's movies, shows, maybe for even being on TikTok or Instagram, watching reels and, you know, there being like a sad news, some story that you hear about and just feeling those just more deeply inside of you. And lastly, if you felt traumatized, I know for a long time, I couldn't put a word on it because of course I didn't really know anything about this when I was younger, but I felt deeply traumatized. And, but of course I would shame myself because I'd be like, well, there's so many more people that have it way, way worse than me. I should not feel this way. But inside I could just feel, I felt that impact, that CPTSD, um, all of that, what we're going to be talking about and really digging deep on. Put a finger down if you were shy or if you were loud, if you were a combination of both, um, which was definitely very much me, especially when I was a kid. Um, When I was younger, I was extremely loud. That impulsivity, like I was learning out in class all the time, outgoing, it came off that, all that energy, that sensor seeking energy was very outgoing. But of course, that later for me turned into more social anxiety turned into me turning from you know being very outgoing to way more shy and just I having if you've had low self-esteem or struggled with low self-esteem for a long time and just a combination of it all what was kind of your sensory style what was your nervous system style just and especially where and I forgot to mention but we're focusing on this particularly when we were a child right now so like our elementary middle school um even high school years so put a finger down if you're greatly influenced by your environment or if your child is greatly influenced by their environment you're were a different person when you're around people that you were comfortable with whether that was maybe maybe it wasn't at home where you felt comfortable maybe it was you know with a certain teacher or with this ad when you were visiting with a certain friend or maybe it was when you were at school you didn't feel comfortable so you're a different person at home or maybe it was if you just felt more unsettled and busy chaotic or stressful environments I know for me if I still in an in environment where I just feel a lot of people's stress and everything around me like I'm very I pick up on that my nervous system picks up on that and embodies that um so again like impacted by people's mood and it embodies people's mood and anxiety even if it has nothing their stresses or any has nothing to do with us you still feel all of that inside put a finger down if you felt restless inside so just rarely felt truly at peace which I didn't even know like what peace was really beforehand like I didn't realize that you know there's times when people just don't have any thoughts there's like no thoughts they're just like relaxed like I always had racing thoughts like they're um very jumpy fast-paced thoughts anxious thoughts they're very unorganized thoughts impulsive intrusive thoughts felt on edge just had this hyper arousal feeling so for me I was very and this still is it relates to our reflexes, which is something I go over inside my program, relates to reflexes, but just being very jumpy. Like I don't, I know 
for me, if someone just like came in front of me too quickly, I would like jump and just jump out of nowhere. And then just like that restless body. So fidgeting. And I know when we think of restless body, a lot of times we think of being more hyper and just like our, like the kids who are super hyper or adults who are super hyper, restless body hyperactivity can also just look like frequent fidgeting sensory so you can still be a sensory seeker and maybe not be that level of hyper that we may think it can just be fidgeting needing to do something just again um that difficulty doing nothing where you just feel like you need to be doing something whether that is scrolling on your phone doing like you can't just sit there and do nothing like you would just not feel at peace and so lastly put a finger down our last one if you were ever if you labeled yourself or if society or if someone labeled you as sensitive as bad as emotional as too much as quirky, as weird, as bossy, as controlling, as competitive. I've been labeled every single one of those. More importantly, put a finger down if you believed these to be true in a negative light. If you believe these labels on yourself, but it had a negative impact on you. If you believe that these were negative labels, And if having those negative labels, if that greatly impacted your self-esteem and what happens with all of those experiences is with all those put a finger down that we did, we, if we felt, if you felt shame, if you felt any self-resentment, if you felt insecure for being this way and for not understanding why all of that was happening, why you were that way. And if you ever felt broken or if you felt like a failure for the, for being that way, what happens when we feel shame and this has, this is a huge part, a huge, huge, huge part of what I want you to walk away from this or from this masterclass knowing what happens when we feel shame is it we feel shame whether it is you know we don't do something right whether we we don't feel successful in something whether we have this label and we just like we're out and we just like feel that label something triggers us to remember that that brings us back just like all these different things causes to create feel shame so many things constantly throughout the day starting from when we were a kid it starts you see I see that shame I work with kids of all ages and I see that feelings of shame start at such a young 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 age and so we feel shame it sends us that message that oh we are unsafe I am unsafe I'm not secure Um, I'm not at peace so we feel shame we feel unsafe that message gets sent to our nervous system and then that puts us into fight flight freeze fawn that causes a trauma response and so the important thing to know one of the big takeaways I want you to know is that shame shame alone is trauma shame is uh, the fact that it causes a trauma response in our body shame is trauma and just think about today as a child just think about how often you felt shame how often you guilt yourself how often we just shame ourselves over the tiniest things and so we are going to be today one of the big things i want to talk with you all about is what is trauma really i want you to walk away from this masterclass with a complete completely different view of what trauma is. And so I have a quick activity that I want to do with you all. This is, I invite you to do this. I highly encourage you to do this and just to try it. It's one of the beautiful things. Education is 
powerful. It's the first step is creating that awareness, but the big change happens from the implementation, from feeling the words that I'm saying, the message that I'm saying, from really feeling that. So I have a quick activity. This is also one that you can afterwards do with your kids as well, that you can do all the time, kind of just like a regular nervous system tool that you can use. But what we're going to do is we're going to start or breaking the cycle here. I'm going to show you just one quick tool to, to start breaking the cycle and rewriting your inner script. Okay. So I want you first to think about just what was one of your labels. I want you to just pick one label, whether it is sensitive, one label that um, maybe you gave yourself, just whatever comes to mind. Um, just the first one that pops in your head that you identified with as a child that you were labeled, that you labeled yourself. Just what is one label that you want to work on right now? And then I have, so I have just a quick visualization meditation. And just to give you a heads up, I am going to invite you to scream and to yell during the meditation. So if you are able to, please, please do it. It is yelling and screaming, that releasing. Remember how I was saying how emotional release or externally releasing how that has been such taboo but if you think back to babies how we cry kids how we cry it is one of the most natural things and it is so good for our nervous system and to really understand that you got to try it so I invite you to try that with me so um I will guide you through this I will tell you when we get to the yelling part if maybe you are in like an apartment like me or somewhere you can't yell too loud what you can always do is just like yell into your arm is what um I'll do personally with kids also or yell into a pillow um and so at the end what um I'm going to guide you through it I'm going to talk you through it but at the end I am going to invite you to scream out and own whatever that label is so whether that I am weird I am different I am sensitive we're going to work on really owning that rewriting that script so I invite you to just close your eyes with me I'm just going to do a little meditation and to guide you through visualization um as if Visualizing, visualizing when I'm talking you through this, if you aren't having any pictures really show up in your head, um, that is completely normal. That's totally okay. For some of us, maybe our auditory sense. So just know that there is no wrong way to do this. If you're not visualizing things, that is absolutely okay. But I invite you to just close your eyes. We're just gonna start by just taking three deep breaths in. And so just in through your nose, biggest breath that you've taken all day breathe in and then just let it all out release it all out all your worries and just another deep breath in breathe in through your nose and release it all out sigh it all out and last one biggest breath breathe in and let out all your worries any stress, any tension on your nervous system, just let it all go. And I want you to visualize yourself as a child. I want you to just picture yourself, any age, just picture yourself as a child. And I want you to look into their eyes and just imagine them and just see how they felt having that label being identified and just feeling that and internalizing that label. And I want you to just give them that comfort that they, that little you desperately needed at that time and just give them comfort, 
and give them love, whether that looks like hugging them, embracing little you, holding their hand, looking into their eyes with love. And I want you to tell little you that it was all a lie. And I want to tell little you how proud of yourself you are and how much you love exactly who you are inside, every bit of it. And I want you to tell little you how your sensitivities are beautiful and how proud you are of your sensitivities. And so in just a moment, I invite you to yell out whatever your label is. I invite you to hold your little used child's hand and yell out together and scream together at the top of your lungs or into a pillow. And I'm gonna to count to three. So three, two, one. Scream out, I am, scream it. And I want you to hug yourself tight and squeeze yourself so tight and hug little you so tight. Squeeze your arms, send that deep pressure, send that comfort, send that love and embrace yourself and little you and just feel that pride for being who you are. Letting any emotions, whatever emotions are coming up, just feel into it and send love to yourself. And before we open our eyes, we're just gonna take three last deep breaths just to let it all out and send nourishment to our nervous system. So deep breath in and release, let it all out, maybe sigh it out. And second breath, breathe in and release and let it all out again. And last one, deep breath in. And let it all out. And one more tight squeeze, just give yourself a hug, give yourself some deep pressure and just gently open back up your eyes. And so we'd love to know, take a second to process that if you need to. Um, I know those tools are powerful. They can also feel heavy. And this would be something um, at the end, I invite you to just journal about what came up for you. Journaling, I know in the Facebook group, we talked about this in our first prompt, but it's such a powerful therapeutic tool because it allows us for, especially us with sensory sensitive nervous systems to really organize our thoughts get clear on our thoughts. And so um, I invite you, yes, to just let me know in the chat what if you feel comfortable. Vulnerability is really such another powerful therapeutic tool. So just to share um, how that was for you, how that experience was for you. And so, yes, I, I cry many times. The crying doesn't stop. Um, I can't remember if I said this earlier, but yes, I cry every day. I aim to cry and to release every day. Um, it was beautiful. But yes, I love it. 
I'm so happy that resonated with you all, but that's just another powerful one that I also love to do with kids and just have them. And especially whenever I hear kids talk bad about themselves or being hard on themselves, just have them own it. It's one of the beautiful things that I feel so lucky is being able to be like, cause I know for a long time it was shaming myself for having ADHD, being embarrassed about that part of me to telling my kids, which has been so therapeutic for me because it's also allowed me my own therapy healing by able to own it regularly with my kids, just being like, I have ADHD. It's awesome. Just letting them to see that different brains, different sensitivities is beautiful. Being like, I have visual sensitivity, maybe like yelling it out, like my ears are sensitive and kind of just like owning it. Kids just like making it a game, making it fun and letting them scream it out can be a powerful version for kids, for any parents here. So now we're going to talk about, we, I am doing great on time. Proud of myself. Okay. So I want to talk about what is trauma really? I want you to walk away, like I mentioned earlier, with just a whole different view of what trauma is. And so this is just one of Google's definitions of what trauma is. This is what a typical um, society's definition of what trauma is, um, or what traumatizes, distresses our nervous system is really what trauma is, is anything that causes stress on our nervous system. But what Google views definite or Google's definition of trauma is um, some examples were like bullying, community violence, disasters, early childhood trauma, um, intimate partner violence, medical trauma, physical abuse, or maybe you've heard of like big T trauma, little t trauma. So these are just, again, Google's definition of little t trauma, um, interpersonal conflict, infidelity, divorce, abrupt or extended relocation, legal trouble, financial worries or difficulty. Yes, all of those are trauma, but what I think is dangerous about this whole concept of or society's view of little t trauma big d trauma just trauma in general what i think is dangerous and also misrepresentative of what trauma really is is because everyone's nervous system interprets trauma differently. Like you can have two people go through the same situation. For example, war. You might have 100 soldiers go to war, experience the same thing, but because our nervous systems all have different unique needs, all process things differently and all process things uniquely, not all of those soldiers are going to come back from war with PTSD. Maybe only five or 10 might come back. Or also we interpret different experiences at different levels. So like, for example, um, we might have Kelsey and Kelvin. Kelsey and Kelvin might go through one thing, let's say an argument, and that might be very traumatic for Kelsey, that argument. But for Kelvin, not a big deal. Doesn't doesn't super impact. Not they feel safe. They're fine. They're um, Doesn't have that same impact on their nervous system. But maybe Kelsey and Kelvin go through the same an accident, a, a car accident, and maybe for Kelsey that's not as traumatic. But for Kelvin, that experience is more traumatic. The thing about trauma is just the important thing to remember about trauma is that what is trauma for you is going to be completely different from the other person. So not to shame yourself for whatever your nervous system constitutes as trauma. We're going to talk about and give some different examples of what trauma really is. What my view as a sensory therapist, as a nervous system um, therapist, what trauma really is. A big one, this one's at the top of the list. This one is huge. And this is sensory triggers. So sensory sensitivities. This is a huge one. 
Whenever we have sensory triggers, whenever our kids have sensory triggers, that is being processed as trauma by their nervous system. And so what is happening? We have a sensory input for kids. This could be picky eating. This could be a sound. It can be, you know, a shirt, a clothing. So we have that sensory input. We have that trigger that gets sent to our nervous system. And then our nervous system is going to create one or two responses, depending on, um, how it processes that. If it fully processes it, and if it successfully processes it, um, it is going to activate us in that rest or digest state, that parasympathetic nervous system state. Or it's going to be like, okay, that sensory experience, that's not safe. And it's going to activate that fight, flight, freeze, form state. So a huge one to know is that um, we're going to get way more into the sensory processing side of how this relates um, tomorrow but just to have a general overview of sensory processing. This is sensory processing. This is how we process um, sensory input. So the sensory input comes in, gets sent to our nervous system, and then it's gonna activate fight or flight or rest or digest. So another one, we talked about this, this is shame. So what is trauma really? Trauma is shame, shame is trauma. So anytime we feel shame, which is a lot. So that's the other thing for how I, Another reason why I think the big T trauma, little T trauma um, is helpful. Yes. And there's definitely some helpful sides to it, but there is just so trauma is so much more broad than what we think it is. Uh, low self-esteem, similar with shame. This one's very interrelated. This one's super connected. So any limiting beliefs that pop up, any of that is going to get crossed. That's being processed. Whenever we have those limiting beliefs, whenever that limiting belief pops up, triggering us in that low self-esteem, that is causing a trauma response in our nervous system. That is trauma. So I know me, um, I'm always working on working on my limiting beliefs. And while I've, you know, something that I'm very purposeful about working on um, and that I have a lot of tools that I work on and that like I kind of shared with you earlier, we did like that little activity using different tools, something I'm always working on. Um, but anytime we feel those limiting beliefs, because as humans, we all have some limiting beliefs. They all, um, there's little, few humans that just have zero limiting beliefs that have none. But whenever that experience and just knowing that, having that Whenever those limiting beliefs now, just having that awareness of what they are and knowing that that is causing a traumatic response and having a trauma response that allows me to just give more forgiveness to myself, more patience for myself whenever that arises and just more love to myself in that moment to kind of help counteract that fight or flight response because knowledge is power, especially when it comes to our nervous system. And so mistakes, whenever we make any mistakes, which is all the time, all day long, like I said, trauma is so much more broad than we realize any mistake we had that can you know activate us into that fight or flight state any embarrassing moments anytime we feel embarrassed I know for me whenever I stutter whenever I slip up on my words um whenever I say something impulsively um I know for me that would used to be a lot I used to just like replay and replay and replay that um, OCD tendencies of instead of like OCD a lot of times when we think of OCD we think of physical symptoms so maybe like needing to touch something multiple times but it can also be thoughts where I'd have an embarrassing moment and I would just need to just like keep on repeating it and repeating it over in my head replaying that and then also that having that trauma replaying it over and over and over again afterwards having that trauma response in my body, um, reliving that trauma.
and just feeling unsafe, kind of, as you can tell, related to all of those kind of has to do with feeling unsafe, feeling uncomfortable. Another thing, feeling uncomfortable in a situation, which is, I know I talk about comfy vibes and cozy vibes, but it's just another really powerful therapy tool that just helps make, you know, uncomfortable situation a little bit more comfortable. So the main thing, the main takeaway that I want you to walk away from here is do not judge or shame what feels like trauma to you. Whether that's an embarrassing moment, whether that is a mistake. If you are feeling, or if anything, whatever is trauma to you, do not judge or shame that because that gets you where I think I have that coming up. Knowing what trauma really is helps your nervous system feel more in control. When our nervous system feels more in control, it feels more at peace. So again, just having the understanding of how our nervous system works, that alone is hugely impactful just by our nervous system being like, okay, this is how my nervous system works. I feel more in control just knowing this. Um, and also just knowing what is causing our trauma responses throughout the day, whether if you're in flight mode, whether you're in freeze mode, just knowing, you know, those little situations, just being more aware. And so why is this so important not to judge or shame what feels like trauma to you is because what happens is that just can create an even more intense fight or flight freeze form. So that just leads to even more nervous system distress and just keeps us stuck in this a never ending cycle in this chronic fight or flight loop. And so, so what is the connection between sensory sensitivities, trauma and ADHD? And that is chronic fight, flight, freeze, fun. If you think about how we had that list of how all of what trauma is and just looking at how trauma is so broad. And we're like, oh, I see why I've been triggered into fight, flight, freeze, spawn, whether you have sensory sensitivities triggering you in that all the time, whether it's shame, whether it's limiting beliefs, all of these different things just constantly triggering us into this fight or flight free response state. And so what happens when you experience too much of anything is naturally just how our bodies work um, you become conditioned to it. And so that fight or flight state, whatever that looks like for you, consequently, that becomes your regulation baseline. The thing to know about, oops, got ahead on myself. Okay. The thing to know about regulation baselines. And so like for I want you to look at this as an individual baseline. So up here might be your more dysregulated nervous system state. So if you're spending a lot more time up here getting triggered, more time in fight or flight, maybe you have a lot of stress going on. Maybe it's a specific time of your life. Maybe it is after a certain traumatic event and you're just spending more time. Maybe that's becoming more of your regulation baseline compared to over here, the goal of nourishing our nervous system, the goal of sensory therapy, somatic therapy, all of that, just learning how to more, more regulate our nervous system, how to meet our nervous system needs is to help lower our unique regulation baseline. And so again, just see so you how your, your dysregulated baseline up here and then goal to just lower to a more regulated baseline. I know when I, when I taught this in the past, I didn't make this clear. And so I just want to super emphasize this because this is a mistake that I definitely made for a long time. And so we think that, you know, we have our baseline up here. We are more dysregulated, quote unquote. We have this baseline up here. And we think that we need to get the goal of sensory therapy, the goal of just any kind of nervous system therapies to get to this perfect 
baseline, quote unquote, like whatever that is. We have this idea of like what a perfect baseline should be um, or like what we see somebody else. We're like, that's a perfect baseline. I want that. And that is absolutely not the goal um, of sensory therapy. And that's not at all what is happening. So the reality is, is that regulation is a broad, broad, whatever, however broad you think it is, times that by like a million broad spectrum. So, you know, billions of people in this world, we are all our own unique, right? So we're all our own unique little dot on this regulation um, spectrum. So it's about finding and creating a regulation baseline that works for you. It's about finding, creating a regulation routine, creating an environment that works for you. So again, the goal is not about being a specific level of um, regulation. I know I use that chart just to help you see, because I know visuals for all of us, um, especially us extra sensitive nervous systems are super powerful for just helping us better understand. But again, it's not about getting to a specific level um, or type of regulation. The goal is for you to create a baseline that works for you. It's going to look completely different from person to person or from child to child. What I mean by that is finding your unique baseline where you feel happier, you feel more confident, you feel more inner peace, more nervous system bliss. And again, that is gonna look completely different from person to person. Just again, your baseline to a more regulated baseline, whatever that looks like for you. So just some quick examples. So um, so for a lot of kids, or just for any hyper. So maybe you want, so maybe like you will still, so sorry. Um, so example for hyper. So instead of going from maybe previously used to be a more anxious hyper, a more unsettled hyper, where you felt super unsettled and restless in your body, getting to a more happy hyper where you feel, you know, I still, like it's me, I still fidget a lot. I still need a lot of movement. Um, I move my bodies and I seek out movements that my nervous, that particularly based on like my nervous system evaluation and what my unique nervous system needs are. I move my body in a way that helps regulate it, but I'm still a hyper person. Um, but I'm not that anxious hyper like I used to be. Instead, I'm a more confident and motivated hyper. And so, which allows me to also, you know, be able to get more done to be more productive in the day, during the day, feel more focused in the day. So another example is might be goal to just be less restless, less anxiety, but which allows then consequently allows for more focus, more confidence by having, finding that unique baseline where you feel less anxious, you feel less inner restlessness. So consequently, um, you're more motivated, you're more focused, you're more confident. And then some announcements really quickly. So super, super exciting announcement. So Sensory Therapy Retreat is back and is officially open for enrollment. So Sensory Therapy Retreat, that used to be a six-week um, guided sensory therapy program for adults or also for therapists, um, ADHD co coaches, anyone who's learning, interested in learning about sensory therapy and about my personal sensory somatic therapy approach. It is now a three-month program. So the beautiful thing about Sensory Therapy Retreat is when it comes to nervous system healing, I think a lot of you all are probably like me where you're trying to do it all on your own. And I was trying to do it all on my own, but having someone to guide you through that experience. Um, so especially just as 
those of us with extra sensitive nervous system, like it's just for kids, how we're always advocating for accommodations. But um, we have this view as an adults that like we don't deserve accommodations, that we don't need accommodations. But no, it is such a beautiful thing to have someone hold your hand, especially through a process that is, you know, delicate as nervous system healing and just really working through the limiting beliefs and helping rewire, rewiring, just having someone to just really help guide you through it and to hold your hand throughout the process. And so that is what sensory therapy retreat is. That is where I share, I teach you, we go like, if you think today what we've learned, like we are still like barely touching the iceberg. Like we still sensory therapy treat, we go through way more. We go through in depth, the nervous system, how it works and particularly guiding you through and giving you tools. So then after the three months that you can walk away and have that you can use in your day-to-day routine. Cause like, I know me, these are all the same tools that I use regularly to help nourish my nervous system. System, um, because I personally think therapy is not just something that you do and then you're done. It's a lifestyle. So creating the sensory lifestyle. And what I love particularly about sensory therapy compared to other like other modalities is that it really like even more so than somatic therapy, it really works on strengthening all the parts of our nervous system. Like somatic therapy really, you know, works on our interoception sense, but sensory therapy gets all the senses and all the different things at different parts of our nervous system. Um, So just a super, super powerful nervous system tool. But whether it's sensory therapy retreat, no matter what it is, I invite you to just find any um, therapy, any kind of healing, anything that you resonate with, just to help guide you through the process and not feel like you need to do this alone. That was the mistake I made for a long time, was just trying to do it all on my own and for nervous system therapy. Um, it's not just kids who need help and need to be guided. This is something that having someone to guide you through is super important and super, super, super helpful. So again, just help see our blind spots um, because we all have those. And then again, my other program, Sensory Life Academy. So the replay of Sensory Life Academy is going to be is open and it is on sale. So all of this will close December 1st. Um, So Sensory Life Academy is my program for parents. So if you're looking for how to create, you know, more sensory strengthening lifestyle at home for your kids and how to incorporate this, how to do sensory therapy at home, um, Sensory Life Academy is perfect for you. And so again, if you have any questions about these programs, jot it down in the Facebook group or email me. And so again, the Facebook group is open until December First, So it'll close on December 1st and I have some more surprises in store for you. I'm a little out of breath. I hope you all enjoyed it. I really, I just so appreciated all of you being here with me live. I can feel, I honestly feel like I'm buzzing. I feel that nervous system bliss. I'm just feeling from all the sense you love, feeling all of your incredible nervous system energies, all of your sensory sensitivities. Thank you so, so, so much for being here. I just want to thank you all so incredibly much. So tomorrow's session is a fun one. So we really like barely scratch the surface 
I know I had all those questions that I was going to answer in the beginning. And you're probably like, Kelsey, you didn't answer any of the questions, but I promise you will have a clear answer and understanding um, to all of those in tomorrow's session. So don't miss tomorrow's session. Let's keep the energy up high. I will see you all tomorrow at 1 p.m. So bye, everyone. Thank you all.